This is the O'Reilly Bots Podcast. I'm John Bruner. And I'm Pete Skamarak. Messaging platforms are key components of the bot ecosystem. With the exception of a very small handful of bots that live on the web or in email or in their own applications, just about every AI-powered conversational bot of the kind that we've been following on this podcast lives on one of a handful of popular, publicly accessible messaging platforms like Facebook Messenger, Skype, Amazon Echo, Kick, and of course, Slack. Slack is interesting for a few reasons. First of all, it's mostly a workplace messaging platform. So a lot of the bots that you're seeing on Slack have to do with productivity, or at least with having fun in a workplace. Slack is also interesting for bot developers because it's one of the few platforms that allows bots to communicate with groups of users, with more than one human. That presents some cool new usage cases, as well as some challenges related to AI and UI for understanding group conversations and responding to them. On this episode of the Bots Podcast, we'll be talking with someone from Slack about workplace bots and bots that can respond to groups of users, among other things. We'll also be talking about Pete's startup. He'll give us a quick demo. You haven't heard much about Pete's startup on this program before or anywhere yet. He's been very stealthy. And we'll be talking about Google's Allo. This is their new messaging app that they released a couple of weeks ago, and it has an AI assistant in it. Before we get to that, a quick reminder that O'Reilly Bot Day is coming up on October 19th. If you're building bots or thinking about bots or thinking about bot strategy, there is something at Bot Day for you. To register for O'Reilly Bot Day, visit O'Reilly.com bots. Our guest today is Jossim Latif. He's the head of partnerships at Slack. Welcome. Good to have you on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So it feels in a way like Slack really helped kick this whole bot wave off by opening up the platform and calling it a bot platform. Is that how you all saw it uh, from the inside? Yeah, I, I would say given Slackbot, Slack always was part of the discussion. And you know, when you think about the inception of our platform, it was something that was very integral to the very beginning of Slack, right? So uh, a quick history lesson, uh, when TinySpec, working on the game Glitch, developed this IRC Basically, while well, a chat tool built on top of IRC, uh, integrations were always a, a key component of how the team was using the tool. So we actually integrated with Google Drive. Mm -hmm. And as more information from Google Drive was being piped into the tool before it was called Slack, the more useful that tool became. And there was also this, there was a bit of that aha moment of, hey, there's something, something to this virtuous cycle. There's something to connecting into third-party services. Um, from there, we had fairly basic integration points. There were notifications. Um, and the real bot on Slack was Slackbot at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, and even in other third-party integrations, notifications were coming through Slackbot. Um, so when we really started to flesh out different types of application experiences on our platform, bots made an uh, immediate sense just given uh, the real-time connection and communication that's already happening. Folks understood and recognized how to communicate and work with Slackbot. So it was a natural thing to kind of extend that to, to third-party developers. For, for people out there in the listening audience who aren't familiar with Slack, could you, could you explain a little bit more about what the product is? And what Slackbot is. Sure. So a lot of the positioning for us is that Slack is an operating system for teams, right? And at the very bottom layer of that is the messaging component. 
Um, from there, you layer on applications, data, workflows. And then the other layer is really search intelligence and the archive that gets built as you just work in real time. Um, so for us, App is really not just a communication platform. It's really a, a collaboration platform for teams. So you mentioned a couple of things there that's, uh, that, that are important um, you know, and, and that are interesting to us as we look at bots. One is that Slack is a messaging platform for the workplace. So for, for so long, email has been you know, the, the main sort of messaging medium in the workplace. Uh, suddenly, we're seeing all this interest in more of an IRC style communication. Um, and then there are bots on top of that. So let's let's take this sort of step by step. Um, what was it that suggested that, uh, you know, mainstream workplaces, not just developers, but like, you know, any kind of team was ready for more of an instant IRC style messaging rather than email? If you kind of look back at it, there's so much third party research that that's out there. Um, you know, in the past, we had these really heavy systems, legacy software that could address probably every use case that you have as an employee. And we've very quickly moved to this world where you have nimble cloud-based SaaS applications that are very specialized in mm -hmm. one function. And so if you take a look at your, your average enterprise is probably using over 600 different applications today. And instead of making that easier to get your work done, because these services don't speak very well with one another, you're now constantly trying to find information in one of these application silos, then share that information with the right people back on your team, uh, and then make a decision based on that. So you're practically spending 47, 50% of your time trying to do work just by mm -hmm. finding, gathering, and then distributing information that way. So I think a big piece of it was how do you break down some of those silos? How do you actually introduce transparency into an organization and then allow folks to collaborate in, in real time, right? And and find all of these bits of information in real time. It's interesting. Um, in terms of messaging platforms, I, I started using Slack uh, early on as it when it came out. And so internally for us, we're... Uh, we're, we're using Slack as our primary source of communication more so than email. And email is relegated to external communication for the most part. Are you seeing that pattern a lot more in companies that have started in the last couple of years? I think so. You know, uh, and especially with uh, even personally at Slack, uh, I, I have a fairly large external mandate. So I, I'm probably one of the few folks who still has to, has to use email just to communicate <laughs> with our partners and uh, external parties. Um, if you take a look at, like, if it's not Slack, I, I fundamentally, and I think we fundamentally believe that it will be a tool like Slack that people will continue to use in the future, right? Mm -hmm. um, just going back to kind of the benefits that you get by breaking down a lot of those information silos. Um, so for companies getting started today, I do think we we have strong mind share that, hey, we should get up and running using a communication tool like Slack. And so what's your view? So Slack as a product started clicking pretty quickly with people. Um, and it's it's kind of taking over. In, in a way, actually, a lot of my... I was addicted to Twitter. I feel like a lot <laughs> of my energy, even from social media, instead of posting something to Twitter, I'll post it to Slack first, right? It actually feels a little safer in some ways. Um, uh -huh. And... But so you get all this attention there. You get people uh, doing their messaging and communication that they used to do in email now in Slack. And then you, it seems like you, you open up the floodgates for more integrations and developers building uh, bots. What patterns are you seeing? So if, if we're thinking about, there, there's kind of two interesting topics, I think. One is 
um, bots for business. So what are the bots that are clicking with customers that people are using on the Slack platform as, as you see it? And then the other side that would be interesting to talk about afterwards would be the business of bots. So how are those, how are bot builders actually going to make money on Slack? Sure. Uh, so on the on the first topic, right? If you take a look at true enterprise services, uh, what are they? Uh, they're they're really systems of records, right? A, a CRM system is a database of contacts. Your recruiting software is a database of recruits. Um, your HRIS system is a database of employees. Mm-hmm. And then on top of all of these systems of record or databases are our workflows. Um, CRM moves a contact and a company through a deal flow and, and stage cycle, right? Recruiting mm-hmm. software, similarly for the interview process. And then HRIS, you could bring similar analogies with like requesting time off, um, all 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 of those really mechanical aspects of, of your day. So the things that we're seeing perform really well actually help you complete entire workflows. Uh, things that will input a lead that you captured on your website, send a notification into Slack, give your reps the ability to respond either with an emoji or directly through text or with clicking uh, one of uh, a message button, claim that lead and then take some sort of action on it, right? And then help you move along the stage of that that deal. Um, there's other things that do really well that uh, going back to that mechanical aspects of management, right? Things that can help you save time running stand-up meetings across an organization of 100 people. Like Those are real productivity gains that you then get. Performance management, you know, uh, making peer reviews truly 360 and in real time because the bot knows based on your calendar, who you're meeting with, that you just had a conversation with a peer or with your manager, how did that interaction go, right? Um, So you can now, instead of having to go back and think about your last six months of interactions with your subordinate or, or even your boss, you can find these things very easily because you've been giving inputs periodically. And now there's a, a single source of truth you can go back to. So there's a lot of those sorts of things that we, we've seen do really well. I think there's a, a wide opportunity even around like, what is a Slack, true Slack first calendaring system look like, hmm. right? Um, no one's really started to tackle that in, in a big way. There's a few apps that are there, but of those, even like the GCal app that's there right now, uh, it just spits more notifications about your agenda and your day, but it, mm-hmm. it's not taking advantage of um, the fact that it knows the team members that are part of a channel. Mm-hmm. You know, it knows user groups. It can then go tie back and find time for those, or communicate with those folks directly to find the right time. Right. Right. Um, and it can do that across a thousand people simultaneously, um, where no single human can be. That kind of thing should be even easier in Slack, right? Because you don't have to sort of surround it with the pleasantries and the vagaries of an email calendaring AI assistant. You can just have some buttons. Does this time work for you? Yes or no? Just confirming. And I'm looking at your calendar as well. Exactly. Um, And and the powerful thing is, right, that a a bot can do that across your entire organization and it can do that all at the same time, right? It can process thousands of those requests versus uh, the very limited mindshare that a single human could put towards an action like that. So it sounds like you you see Slack as kind of the meeting place where a lot of uh, process communication can happen, either between two different people or, or many different people or between people and bots. 
Um, do you see any use of Slack as a purely automated platform where maybe several bots are just sort of talking to each other and it turns out to be convenient to build this interface in Slack? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm really excited about those kind of opportunities, right? Like the bot to bot or, or yeah. app to app in a way, um, because it does need to know your calendar, but does it need to know that you're on, a, on Google Calendar or it's Outlook or whatever that default is? It shouldn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. um, Slack should be able to tell you that affordance and then the bot should be able to take actions based on that affordance. Right. Um, I always kind of use the example of going back to, you know, Salesforce. I come out of a negotiation or a sales meeting. I have the Salesforce bot ping me, asking me, hey, what were the key takeaways from that meeting and what are the next action items? You know, one of the action items is that we need to, to regroup on a technical discussion with these four people. Uh, the bot can then go communicate with those four people or pass along that information to my calendaring bot that can then work with those four people to find time and book that meeting. Right. The only action I should ever need to take is just letting Salesforce bot know that those are the that was the next step was that other meeting and it was with these four people. Right. It's interesting. So a lot of the examples you gave, you were talking about interfacing with it sounds like third party applications that may be a system of record like Salesforce or um, an HR system. And then the bot kind of mediates a workflow where people's attention uh, already exists, right? And I've noticed, so you've added Slack action buttons and other features to the API that really facilitate that. Another thing that we talk quite a bit about on the podcast is machine learning and AI for bots. And so it feels like there's a few different flavors of bots on Slack. And one is more transactional, where there's a workflow request approval pops up. And then there are other ones where the bots are getting a little bit smarter. Can you say more about that? Yeah. In a, in a way, we obviously want to make Slackbot much smarter and that there's things that we're doing there where you can it use. It started off as simply note taking, right? Um, but now as we develop a knowledge corpus or even just basic things like Slackbot should be able to help answer questions about Slack itself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how, how can we make it smarter there? It's really tough. I, I will say building bots, there's so many great frameworks and tools out there, but to build a bot with personality um, and one that is intelligent it is really complex. And I don't think there's a ton of great examples out there of people solving that in, mm -hmm. a, in a big way just yet. I know there's a lot of folks working on it, um, but I, I haven't seen a bots that are like getting smarter based on what they're learning inside of you know Slack or communication that's happening inside of Slack. So I, I think there's another question when it comes to these bot platforms of uh, natural language uh, versus uh, other UX affordances like buttons and carousels. Do you do you see a difference between Slack as an app platform and Slack as a bot platform, meaning like you could imagine going more a direction like Facebook where, you know, that like say that right side panel in Slack where somebody could embed, you know, uh, I don't know, like a design app or something in there. Uh, maybe not that that deep, but um, are you going to do you see a world where both exist or are you all in on bots? I think you'll see the former where there is additional real estate for application experiences within Slack. And we further flesh out what it means to have a conversational interface through things like buttons and carousels and more input um, mechanisms. You know, we, we've already started to hint at this a little bit with our, our third-party calls feature. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So now any third-party calling service can set itself as a default 
within Slack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if your team uses Skype, um, instead of the call button on Slack going through Slack's native calling feature, it would pop up Skype, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to find other places like that. And there's a, a ton can immediately come to mind um, where it is going to be a little bit faster, right? Is it is it easier to click that call button than to Talk call to up bot. the Skype bot and then tell yeah. that Skype bot fire off this conversation, right? Yeah. Uh, because all of the same information is already there behind that button. It knows the folks in the channel and it's much faster for me to click that than to go talk to the Skype bot. And again, that's going to be a, a case by case kind of thing. But we do see a world where you have rich conversational interfaces and more real estate for app experiences like that calling bit. Um, you know, the right flex band could be super interesting. We haven't really sorted out what we would do with that. But um, mm-hmm. right. It's more it's a little more challenging on your part as the platform to implement these kinds of affordances. But it's way easier for the developers to create compelling apps using them than a strictly conversational interface. I mean, the technological challenge of that is is extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it and it's limiting, right? Because you, mm-hmm. you have to all of a sudden frame things. Like, you have to frame questions. You have to come up with questions because you have to direct people through this flow. Right. Uh, and it, it almost doesn't feel natural because mm-hmm. it's like, you should already know that, but I have to answer this thing. And, right. And you wind up doing things with bots that are frankly a little silly. You know, yeah. making people type yeah. in type in choices and type in things that a checkbox could could address in a single click. Yeah, so, exactly. So I guess another category we left out. Um, it's not just that I can install bots uh, from your your the app directory. People can developers at a large company or even a small company can build their own internal bots. Uh, so for things like DevOps, where you're managing engineering workflows that are very tied to internal systems. Um, people can write their own bots on Slack. So are, are you seeing a good percentage of them be uh, single-purpose custom bots? Yeah, yeah. And we, we always, so right now we, we term those like custom integrations and mm-hmm. they are, they're definitely very heavily used. I would say almost uh, a, a majority of our, our teams are building custom integrations for their, their own purposes. And, and it makes a lot of sense, right? Like, so uh, it was the other day I was reading some sort of market research that says over the next few years, one out, one out of every $30 spent on enterprise software will be for cloud SaaS experiences, right? Mm-hmm. And, and one third's a lot, and that's still a few years out, right? So there's two thirds of that spend is still on on-premise legacy kind of <laughs> systems that are still driving business need. Buy an Oracle uh, license. Be, yeah, yeah, right. Like think Oracle or think SAP systems, especially these ERP systems that have house all of your financial data or mm-hmm. your procurement and order status information. Um, you need to be able to look up those things. And the fact that we've had open APIs from the beginning uh, allows businesses to really customize Slack to, to work exactly as it should for them. Right. Um, so we'll we'll always try to a make sure we're supporting those kinds of things and and build better tools for custom integrations as well. So for the developers, uh, I mentioned the App Store. So that's been growing and uh, becoming more feature rich. Can you say more about the the business of bots? So if somebody is building an app and they want to expose it as a bot in Slack, 
like what's the path forward for them for for business and monetization of that bot? Yeah, it's been encouraging to see how experimental folks have been. And there's a lot of, of great developers that have been actually moving to paid versions of their bots. Like one that comes to mind immediately is StatsBot. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done a fantastic job with kind of experimenting fully on their own, given that there's no uh, innate or built-in monetization means through the platform itself. In short, you know, our our goal for what we're doing here is that we're building towards a future where the the value of these apps and services that people are building on top of Slack far outweighs the value of Slack on its own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for us to really do that, we we have to nail the the better build tools. We really have to nail discoverability for for bots and developers, and then obviously distribution and monetization is going to be a big key part of that. Right. Um, unfortunately, right now developers are on their own, but that's an area that we we definitely want to to help. Um, but we just haven't really defined exactly what that will look like yet. Yeah, you've hit on a few things that uh, that we have talked about a lot on this podcast that are you know concerns for bot developers, in particular monetization and discovery. Um, so what are the big uh, things that you hear from your partners, people who are developing bots on the Slack platform? What do those people want or what do they say that they're anxious about? That they want to be able to do more, right? And I think that goes back to the app versus bot Um I think bots are a great place for a lot of them to to start off with, but the novelty can wear off, right? If it's not mm-hmm. providing like really strong value out the gate, um, I, I'm not 100% convinced that bots on their own will solve all problems. Uh, and so I think you you end up in this place where it's like, hey, people installed our our bot, but then they kind of forget about it. Like, mm-hmm. how can we make sure that? Uh, we we have great retention in that it is top of mind, right? It's yep. like, look back at the mobile days where it was like, if first you just getting downloaded was the issue. And if you got downloaded, awesome. But then <laughs> if you weren't on the homepage, your app was never going to get used. Right. So how do you make sure your app is providing such great utility that you remain on the homepage? Like that, that's the same analogy for me. Um, so, and I think there's, again, ways that we can help improve that through the real estate that we have within Slack. Yeah, as a heavy user of Slack and builder of bots and user of bots, um, one of the things exactly you hit it on the head with um, the experience, and there, so there does have to be standalone value, obviously, to the bot. That's a big one. That's on the developers to some extent. Um, but right now, the interaction to interact with a bot would either be very developer centric, where you have to remember to type a slash command, or you would have to scroll down into your DMs and find the at at username handle of the bot and initiate a conversation. Um, so it does feel like discovery has multiple le- levels. One is knowing what bots are out there in more app store sense. But another one is, does the bot naturally exist in a way where I can see it? Because um, if it's not part of one of those high traffic flows, uh, it can be very hard. And this, isn't, this does, applies to Facebook as well, right? Like you're not going to know a bot um, exists, even if you, you've installed it. Yeah. And the only time you might be reminded is when, you know, someone specifically calls that bot into part of the conversation. Right. Um, but, you know, there, there's so many other ways that we can help answer that question, which is, you know, what bots are on my team mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and what do they do? What, what about that? There's a tricky line that we've talked about. We talked with Lily Chang from Microsoft about social bots and bots in public. And so that's a weird one. So Slack has done something else interesting, which is they took a lot of things out of email that were private or siloed that maybe didn't need to be, 
and they're in a more public messaging space within a company, more akin to like a wiki or, or, or intranet software. But bots, it feels like, at least in the teams I've looked at, they're not used in public as much, or there's a danger in a large team that they would get turned off like Clippy. Um, what, are you seeing uh, a lot of bot, bots start to break out in public slacks, public, public channels? Certain ones, um, the, the things like meeting organization, right? Like that, that's a, a huge, huge one. The stand up bots where, uh, again, people are, are they're not going to have kind of an inherent fear or worry about interacting with that bot or what that bot specifically does. Um, I, I mean, in the very early days of the platform, uh, we actually, when bots were added to teams, they would join the general channel, which is one of the two default channels that comes um, on a Slack instance. Mm -hmm. And we heard loud and clear from our customers that um, that really freaked people out. Uh, all of a sudden, they didn't know, hey, what was this this bot thing? And was it what, what is it listening to? Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's where you can go back. And it's like, your bot really does need to have personality, right? Like you need to think about that. You need to think about the copy and the language that you use. Uh, you need to make sure that it's something that's friendly, that won't piss people off, right? right. Um, and there's, there's ways you can go about those things. So there's so much education that still needs to happen. And I do think developers should be wary of that as they go through. This is not just Hey, I need to handle NLP. Um, right. We should start tackling like AI as part of my bot. It, it can come down to even how does the bot present itself? You know, how does it introduce the three things that it does very well? Um, how does it encourage you to actually bring it into public conversations? Um, those are those are real real challenges that you know, I've noticed, especially with bots on our platform. Or maybe you should just have a bot that installs uh, by default into the random channel, and that could be more fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Start off with some jokes, like right out the gate. <laughs> yeah, just out of curiosity, um, from inside Slack, how do you see people using the random channel? Is there any uniformity to it whatsoever? No, it is. It is actually very truly random. Um, <laughs> I will say uh, to the yeah, there there's all sorts of weird conversations that that will take place in in that channel, from sharing some weird press story to someone randomly dropping in giffies and then leaving. Yeah, there's no no normalcy, no trends that I've noticed within it. It seems that the rise of the random channel and the rise of the giffy integration probably uh, came together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, Jossam Latif, it's been a pleasure having you on the program. If listeners want to find you online uh, and see what you're up to, where should they look? Uh, I'm on Twitter. My Twitter handle is jlatif. Um, and yeah, that's probably the best way to find me. Really appreciate you all having me on. Terrific. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks again. So bots in the workplace, really interesting stuff. What listeners might not know is that um, Pete himself is developing a workplace bot uh, through a startup that's been stealthy right up until now. Uh, the startup is called Skip Flag, and its product is called Rover. And I would love for Pete to give a quick demo on the program because we've just been talking about business Slack bots. Um, this is a, a bot that lives in Slack, but you've also developed an Amazon Echo integration. Yeah. And I think touching on what we talked about with Jossim, the best bots actually are apps themselves mm -hmm. that happen to have also a bot as an interface, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So I'd say the same thing about what we're doing. Like the things that we've, we thought quite a bit about were this rise of messaging in the workplace. And we see increasing 
fracturing actually of the ways that people communicate. Sometimes I'll talk to people over Facebook Messenger at work. I'll talk mm -hmm. to them on Slack. I'll talk to them on email. And you have this level of comfort with short form messaging that's increasing and you have lots of these conversations happening. Um, and so the thing I like before the startup, I was at LinkedIn. Back at LinkedIn, um, you know, we were building basically professional networks. It was very external facing. It was your public profile and who you knew and, and how you knew them um, with obviously lots of applications for sales and recruiting and things like that. Um, inside of a company, you wouldn't use LinkedIn typically to communicate, right? Mm -hmm. You'd use email, you'd use Outlook or Gmail, things like that, maybe chat. And in the last couple of years, you've really seen the rise of Slack, right, as mm -hmm. a platform. And with all of that, that means more and more of our institutional knowledge is living in systems like Slack and it's buried in messaging, which once the messaging is scrolled past, it's mm -hmm. kind of like lost right, right in right. time. And so really what we thought about was, well, one way to think about it is I wish I had a ways for communication, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like I wish I could like navigate this better <laughs> because it feels like your organizational memory is being lost or, or it's, it's hard to wrap yourself around. Another way that we're thinking about it as we dug in and we thought about um, some of the AI and some of the tech it would take to do this right, is what you really need to do is turn conversations into knowledge, mm -hmm. right? And so that's really what our mission is at Skip Flag, right? We're turning conversations into knowledge and we're building a knowledge graph for the workplace, right? So in a sense, Google has this great knowledge graph that's ever expanding right. and it's actually killing companies like Yelp and, <laughs> and other people as like they take over the search results. Right, because when, when you graphs. ask for, you know, coffee near San Jose, it just gives you these cards. You don't you yeah. don't have to click through to Yelp or to any other service. Yeah. And they just launched, uh, Google just launched Allo, which is actually exposing those in more of a bot-like uh, form. So I think that's a good analogy for what we're doing. Like a lot of this information, in the same way Google is structuring a lot of that externally, mm -hmm. um, and maybe Cortana at Microsoft is, is doing that externally, like internally, nobody's really thinking about like, how do we make that sensible and tractable and make it a living, growing knowledge base of what's going on in the company. So right. anyway, with with that, with that uh, set up, I guess, uh, since this is an audio podcast, an audio demo makes sense. Sure. Uh, so one of the things we're playing with is voice. So what we've done in this case is Slack is one of the input channels. So we linked, um, you know, skip flag to our Slack. And we have in our conference room, which is where I'm recording this right now, uh, uh, we have an Amazon uh, Echo. Mm -hmm. And so we can ask it questions just like you would ask a bot or you would use search in an app. So as an example, I can say, Alexa, ask Skip Flag, who knows about Python? I'm not sure, but the best person for Python is probably Sam Shaw. So Sam's my co-founder. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and so based on, you know, the, his, you know, uh, his conversations, it understands that he probably knows about that. Huh. So that's a... That's so, actually a pain point we would hear a lot at LinkedIn. Right, right. So it's so it's um, going through conversations that he and your other colleagues have had on Slack and has discerned that a lot of people are asking him about Python and that he's answering a lot of questions about Python. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're kind of inferring like a, a virtual profile for people and places and things. And it, it goes deeper than that. But like, so I can give you a, a sense. Um, so I can say things like, Alexa, ask Skip Flag, is Matt in today? Matt said he's working from home today. He posted in general at 8.36 a.m. So nice. the interesting thing there is like you don't have to fill out some structured form. Uh -huh. So along the lines with what uh, Jossam said, like 
people are informally typing, you know, WFH uh, today, uh-huh. you know, gar- Gardner coming or something, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. And and uh, like, and it can, you know, interpret that and then categorize it, kind of like uh, Google Photos will do that, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with your photos. And so that becomes pretty powerful. So I can informally say things in Slack conversationally and then it becomes structured. So Alexa, ask Skip Flag, what are some upcoming conferences? Here are two upcoming conferences from your team. Pete said, Next Economy is October 10th in SF. Tim O'Reilly and Reid Hoffman are co-hosting. I'll be on a panel or short session about AI and bots in the enterprise. Pete also said, Bot Day is October 19th right. in SF. I'm Alexa, stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, Our listeners uh, already know about Bot Day. Yeah, everybody knows about that. So, uh, But to get the interesting thing is uh, you mentioned workflow. So I think we, we didn't get into this too much, but my sense is developers and engineers are a pretty heavy audience on Slack right now, and it's starting to branch out. But for developers, you can do things like um, ask uh, Alexa, ask Skip Flag what code was pushed today. There has been no code pushed so far today. Nope. Alexa, stop. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, let's uh, Alexa, ask Skip Flag what code was pushed last week. Here is the code pushed last week. Scott committed pull request 812. Upgrade all Python libraries to their newest versions. Sam closed pull request Alexa, 794. Stop. So you can kind of get a, t- a sense there of uh, right, right. How, how deep you can go. Oh, that's really cool. Um, uh, yeah, this, this question is sort of like workflow bots, bots that mediate, as Jossum said, you know, the, the kind of very mechanical processes that a lot of businesses rely on. You know, there's this theory that, that we've uh, talked about before on this program, I think back in the first episode, that uh, bots may be a real boost to productivity in a way that um, that we actually haven't seen big productivity boosts since the 90s. Nothing, nothing in the last 10 years or so from technology has compared to, you know, the development of the PC everywhere and the initial rollout of the internet in terms of an impact on productivity. But you can imagine some of these things having a really dramatic impact on productivity. Yeah, I think the really interesting thing, the more, the more I think about it, um, we've mentioned this a few times on the podcast, one of the things that I think we're finding as we build this um, it's really powerful to be able to say things in natural language and have a forgiving interface. Mm-hmm. So not everything. You don't order a pizza via bot. I still believe that. <laughs> um, but the thing that I think captures when we demo this, the thing that captures people's attention is, OK, I don't have to enter things perfectly. And that's the power, I think, of AI when it comes to bots is that we're like all these bot builders are building these forgiving interfaces. Mm-hmm. And um, if Slack you know, it may be Slack, it may be Facebook Messenger, whatever the platforms are. I think something really interesting is going to happen when all these smart interfaces to different systems of record and knowledge graphs start talking to each other. Very cool. Thank you, Pete. Uh, listeners, if you're interested in trying SkipFlag, you can go to skipflag.com to sign up for the waitlist. All right. So now we move on to bot of the week. The last few weeks have been pretty momentous. A lot of interesting news coming out in the bot world, especially from Apple and Google. On the Apple side, you see the latest iOS came out, iOS 10. A lot of people have been installing it over the last few weeks. It includes some extra sort of interactive integrations for iMessage, uh, which is really interesting. And it also 
offers developers access to Siri, only to certain functions in Siri, but it, it gives them access to Siri, which is really new for Apple. They had announced that at the beginning of the summer, but it's exciting to see it happen. Siri has also come to um, the newest, what they call Mac OS now, it used to be OS X. If you elect to turn on Siri, um, it puts a button in the top right corner of your screen and in your taskbar at the bottom, and you can hit it and ask Siri to do whatever you would normally have it do on your phone. So that's interesting as well. These assistants are, are coming out everywhere. But the thing that we're going to talk about now in Bot of the Week is Allo. This is Google's new messaging application that includes also a virtual assistant, an AI assistant. You can start a messaging chat with one or several friends, or you can just hit the assistant from Google and start chatting with it the way that you would normally start chatting with a human. So Pete, what is your take on uh, Google Allo so far? Uh, well, my quick hot take, I posted on Twitter when it came out, and uh, I think that was the lead in a VentureBeat article that I, I said I thought it's the best bot I've seen so far. <laughs> um, I, I really I do think they executed pretty well on the native experience of if I'm in the mood where I'm going to interact with this bot in, mm -hmm. in a mobile device as a native app, I think they did really well. It reminds me a bit of Oslo, which is another bot mm -hmm. we talked about, which is focused on, you know, Oslo wraps like Yelp and some other type, you know, restaurant searches and things like that. This, I mean, Google has the full power of the Google knowledge graph. And so I feel like they took Google instant answers, which surface in search results and their knowledge graph. And they basically wrapped that, they flipped it around into a chat interface. So in search, you search in the search box and it gives you search results and then it sticks a card maybe as an instant answer. So what they've done in, in my mind is they flipped that around and they gave you search, a search box at the bottom, which is a chat window. And it maintains your search history as a conversation, basically. And it surfaces those knowledge cards, basically, I think is what it's doing. And sometimes there may be a natural language response, but mostly it's structured queries like you might get from IBM Watson or something like that. Where this is better than most of these other bots is in, the, it feels like they've been listening and studying a lot of the other bots and they took a lot of the best UI affordances, like mm -hmm. the carousel of cards, prompts for smart reply, they call it smart replies. So for example, if I say, who is Jeff Weiner? It'll give me a knowledge card saying, you know, Jeff Weiner is the CEO of LinkedIn, sure. et cetera, et cetera. And then it will tell me some other information like there are posed as suggested questions like what is Jeff Weiner's salary? What, you know, uh, where was he born? Mm -hmm. um, ask about Satya Nadella. So I think like the loop for talking to the bot and giving suggestions is really nice. Yeah, I think your characterization of Allo Assistant as, as kind of surfacing these structured Google results is dead on. What I've noticed is that it includes some new kinds of features, like you can ask it to tell a joke, you can ask for interesting facts, all these kinds of you know features that have been popular in Siri and more recently in Amazon Echo. And then they've combined that with basically, you know, normal Google search results. I've been playing a bit with uh, its ability to sort of reason multi-part questions. So if you search, for instance, for where can I get good coffee near the ferry building in San Francisco, it gives you listings for coffee shops using that card interface. If you ask for something a little bit more complicated, if you say, where can I get good coffee on the way to San Jose, uh, it, it responds, here's what I found on the web, and it gives you just a link to Foursquare's article on 13 best coffee shops in San Jose. 
So it's able to parse, you know, near single location. It's not yet at the level of sophistication where it's, um, you know, tracing out a route and figuring out what's close and what maybe matches your preferences. And the same thing, by the way, if you try who won the World Series four years ago, it gives you, you know, the, um, the correct answer. But if you say who won the World Series the year that Obama was first elected, it replies, here's some information from the web. And then there's just kind of the top web search result. I think the interesting thing for me is that if you restrict yourself to things that Google does well for knowledge cards mm -hmm. on the web, it gives you pretty good answers, right? And those tend to be broadly popular trivia type questions or very local. Like I said, you know, where's the closest Apple store? And it gives you a nice structured card and I can call the store and it has the address because that's what Google would do right. as well, right? It has a nice discovery. I think the smart replies keep you in the conversation and I keep clicking. Mm -hmm. Whereas mm -hmm. with other chatbots, you can be at a loss as to what to say next. Right. I think that for this to go beyond, like the, pro the problem with this is, as with a lot of other bots, is why am I going to go back and keep using it and keep opening it? Mm -hmm. I think... This feels like they wanted to get the tech out, and it's very nice. It's a, it's a nicely executed bot. It feels not connected to the rest of their universe. Like sure. The natural question is like Hangouts or messaging for Google. Why is it not there? Um, why doesn't it have, you know, why isn't it working with your contacts? Why isn't that more front and center? It, it'll only work on one device as well, which is really interesting because it, when you um, install it on a second device, it actually disables it from your first device. And then to re-enable it on your first device, you have to reconfirm with a text to your uh, mobile number. Oh, I hadn't hit that. That's interesting. I, I think the, the other thing, this feels like uh, an opening salvo from Google mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, they're planting a flag and then obviously they just had some more announcements. So they acquired API.ai, right. which is a nice, uh, I, I've met the founder and it's kind of a nice experience. I can see why they acquired it. It's, you can use Python to kind of create your own pizza bot <laughs> and, uh, you know, whatever, you, you know, for general purpose, you know, bot experiences, it's kind of a nice uh, experience to build those. But very quickly, they're they're thinking, okay, we're, they're going to launch a platform. And they pointed to API.ai as one of the main ways you could integrate with their Google Assistant, which mm -hmm. will be on their home device and other things. But you can naturally see they can extend the functionality of Allo mm -hmm. with other, like Uber could have a bot that connects to Allo and things like that. Yeah, this, this raises a lot of interesting questions about sort of um, what Google's product strategy is here. And, um, you know, I, I don't have much basis on which to speculate, but you mentioned Hangouts. There's this suggestion that Hangouts may become kind of an enterprise product uh, as Allo maybe takes over as the main messaging application. Where this leaves Google Voice, no one's quite sure. That's already been in some ways rolled into Hangouts. And then this Google Assistant that you've also mentioned is something that Google's been promoting over the last few months. Uh, I think it's, the idea is that Assistant is this kind of pervasive layer of natural language intelligence that lives behind Google Now, now Allo, Google Home, which is um, the, the hardware that Google recently released that's similar to the Amazon Echo. Is that your take on what Google Assistant is? It feels like the, the equivalent of Alexa. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry for everyone who has an Alexa <laughs> uh, device. Uh, I stopped myself before I asked it something. Um, but it feels like the equivalent of Alexa in that Amazon has a great skills platform mm -hmm. where you can extend. You know, we've talked about this notion of a God bot. Mm -hmm. So this feels like Google is really banking that they're going to nail that and that they are going to enable. Like one of the things that's really interesting with the assistant approach is 
right now it's a little cumbersome with Alexa because you have to very explicitly say, you know, ask Pandora something. Right. Uh, you have to you have to give it you have to direct it in a very crude way. Whereas Google implied you will just say, hey, I need to I need a ride to uh, the ferry building, mm-hmm. and it will suggest like it'll direct that to the Uber app. Right. right. So there's a bit of an app store play maybe happening or, you know, the equivalent of featured apps will be featured bots. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So we get back into this discovery question. That's something we talk about all the time and how the big platforms are going to approach the discovery question and make it possible to uh, for users to discover new new bots and new services without requiring that they you know browse through a, a storefront of some sort. Yeah. So that's my sense based on their announcement. And they, they had... Quora, they had Jelly, which is Bizstone's former, you know, Twitter founders, uh, new startup. They had a product hunt was in there hmm. for people who are in Silicon Valley. It's a product <laughs> uh, website. So there was a pretty uh, long list of integrations. I think the developer platform for Assistant and I guess uh, also for Allo in that sense opens up in uh, December. So I think like this could be the beginning of something very interesting for bot developers. Yeah, it's it's something um, also just as a user, I could see myself coming back to it. I am generally skeptical of bots stepping in and doing a lot of the sorts of things that Allo could do when I'm sitting at my desktop because it's just so fast to you know do whatever you need to do with a full-size keyboard and a mouse and two monitors. But I was uh, traveling a little bit last week to uh, O'Reilly's AI conference in New York and, and found myself using a few of these sort of conversational interfaces because as you're crossing the street, it's really nice to just be able to hit the microphone and say like, you know, coffee shops nearby and it, and it pops it up. It doesn't present you with the kind of... Um, you know, overwhelming choice and variety that characterizes a lot of the previous generation of of these services. It's just going to show you three coffee shops and, um, mm-hmm. you know, makes it easy. I, I actually think so. I think they built a best of breed bot that's living in the wrong uh, container. Hmm. So I think that that if this if you were on um, a group chat, like if this was in WeChat mm-hmm. and it was the Google bot, like if everybody is already in a, in a chat setting or in a group ch- group chat setting, and they can t- this bot can interject or they could talk to this bot, mm-hmm. I think it would be great. Interesting. The other really fascinating um, capability in this bot that is not being fully exploited right now, but that is already a slight improvement, and I'm going to be really interesting to see what they do with it, is this ability to send audio directly to the bot. So when you look at the interface, you've got your native mobile operating system keyboard and a text input you know, field, and you can use your native input to, you know, turn on Siri or, or turn on uh, voice transcription in Android and uh, dictate a message to the bot. You'll see it gets spelled out through voice to text right on your phone. Or you can hit the microphone that's in the text input field. And as long as you're holding it down, it'll record. And then you, you lift up and it sends the audio directly to the bot before transcribing it. So it's, it's a little bit faster. Um, it's a little bit of a leap of faith because you can't edit your text before sending it. But since these are not, you know, high risk transactions that you're doing with the bot right now, it actually takes a considerable amount of friction out of the process of sending a message to the bot. You just hold down the microphone and say, where can I get coffee nearby? Let your thumb off the microphone and then it answers your your question immediately. Yeah, I I think that's interesting. So we've had a bunch of segments on the podcast about voice bots and about text-based bots. 
So blurring those lines is is kind of interesting and innovative, I guess. Yeah. So you can seamlessly go back and forth. Exactly. Um, I guess a lot. One one more thing we should mention. The they also bring up some interesting privacy questions. Mm. So I'm not sure if you saw this, but like Edward Snowden tweeted about Allo, right? Interesting. Because it's doing quite a bit of tracking, um, and especially like the. The, it's it looks at what other friends are also on Allo, mm-hmm. and that's how you sent me a, one of those voice messages, right? That's right, yeah. And and so that what are, what are your thoughts on that? Sorry, on 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 sending a voice message to you or on the privacy thing? On 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 the on the privacy question, like, do you think? So I think some of the concern I, I've seen a, a fair amount of this. It could just be because it's Google launching it. Okay, now they want to be your personal AI. Right. So Google wants to be your personal AI, which means we need to track and be involved in every decision that you make in, in, in our assistant or in our uh, Allo bot. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that, especially if they eventually make it possible to bring the Allo bot into group conversations, that that would become an extremely popular way to have these conversations, you know, to to have the assistant hanging out in your group chats. And then whenever you say, all right, let's grab dinner, Allo, find time. Um mm-hmm. That 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 really means that you are inviting Google to listen into uh, everything that you say, not only to it but also to your friends. Of course, we yeah, have this with Gmail. The example already. that I saw people talking about was that they felt was privacy invading. Was uh, they tend to go to a certain bar often on Sunday nights, mm-hmm. and then it's popping up proactively with directions to the bar huh. uh, for for them, right? Yeah, which to them felt kind of creepy. So I wonder why that feels creepier than um, what Google already does. I mean, Google already reads our Gmail um, and and Google already suggests uh, driving times to places you go sure. often if you have an Android phone with now. But maybe the message kind of interface is a different way to see this. I think the question is like, is it, it the, na- the content of the message can matter? And it, if, if it's this uncanny valley again, where you're on Facebook, you can be in a filter bubble, mm-hmm. but this is a filter bubble for your day to day life decisions. Like maybe you shouldn't be going to the bar, but it's reinforcing <laughs> your bad habits. Right, right. Right. So we're entering into a kind of scary territory where I think people we're building these things, but um, it's going to we're going to there's going to quickly maybe be a hangover uh, uh, where some people are going to raise flags about these issues. Interesting. Yeah, we'll have to follow up on this in a future episode of the podcast because I think it's clear that Allo is going to develop very quickly. That's it for this episode. Next week, assuming that you're listening to this podcast the week it came out, on October 19th, we are having O'Reilly Bot Day. This is going to be a great event. If you're building bots or thinking about bots or working on bot strategy, there will be something there for you, as well as a really wonderful community that you will enjoy getting to know. For more information on O'Reilly Bot Day, visit O'Reilly.com slash bots. And Pete and I will see you there. I'm John Bruner with the O'Reilly Bots Podcast. 